Oh, beloved in Christ, we have been walking through a series of messages about who our God is in the evening services. Do you remember the stops we've made along the way? We said, our God knows all. And do you remember the omni word that goes with that? God is what? Omniscient. Yeah, we also said our God is always there for us, so he is omnipresent. Yeah, we said our God is all-powerful, which means he is omnipotent, right? We've also said that our God has emotions as we thought about how our God rejoices over us with singing, as we heard in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, a beautiful verse. We've also stopped along the way to learn that our God is our refuge. Remember the psalm that went with that one? What was it? Psalm what? 46, God is our refuge and strength. And besides hearing how Crash the giant sea turtle talked about the current in the ocean, that it was righteous, right? We learned that our God is righteous and confers his righteousness upon us through Christ, which means our God is also gracious. Our God is gracious in dealing with his erring children. And all through these first seven messages in the series, we've been careful to make the point that knowing better who our God is, is transformational for us. That knowing our God better helps us understand better who we are and who we have become in Jesus Christ and who we are supposed to look like and become like. And that's, of course, Jesus, isn't it? So, That's what we're doing today and a few more times as well, getting to know our God better so that he may transform our lives with that knowledge. Today we focus our attention on our God being committed to us, or another way we could say that is our God being faithful to us. We'll use those words almost interchangeably today, faithful and committed. You'll see, beloved, that our God is faithfully committed to you. Our God is faithful. We'll sing at the end of the service, and you heard it a few moments ago, the the classic and familiar song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Anyone know where some of those words of that song come from? Right? The Bible. But anyone know where in the Bible, of all places, that we could read some of the main words of that song in the book of what? Lamentations. Yeah. The book of The book of cries of lament shouted out to our God. And in the middle of that book is a wonderful testimony of what kind of God our God is. And those words were scarfed up for this great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. I'll ask you to turn to it. Now, where in the world is Lamentations? So Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Okay, so right between the two big books, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, is the smaller book of Lamentations, okay? And it's page 1177, just so you can get there faster. 1177, Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. We read there these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And then read the next line together with me. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. 
You know the lyrics? Did you see them there? Thy compassions, they fail not. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness. That's where it's from. This is our God, beloved. A faithful God to us. Our God who is committed to his people. Just ask the Israelites of long ago. They'll tell you. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. There it is. He is faithful. He's committed to his people. Psalm 145 says he's faithful in all he does. Says it a couple of times like that. Psalm 146 says that the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, including the wind, The Lord remains faithful forever. New Testament, the glorious passage in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18 and following. You know the passage, I'm sure, but as surely as God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, this is Paul talking, was not yes and no, In other words, it wasn't a wishy-washy message. It was not uncommitted one way or the other. But in Christ, it's always been yes for no matter how many promises. Think about this. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. And so through him, we say the amen. It's spoken by us to the glory of God. Listen to what Paul says next in that passage. It's all about God's committed faithfulness. Now it, if, if, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing. This is our God, beloved church. Our God is faithful to us, to the end. Our God is committed to us. To the end, Exodus 34 says he abounds in love and faithfulness. Psalm 36 says his faithfulness reaches to the skies. This is our God. Our God is faithfully committed to you and me. And if you know the Old Testament, you know that God's people have a history of their God being faithful to them through thick and thin, committed to them as their God, and they, on the other hand, through their, though their God commands them to be, to be like him, to be faithful like him, to be committed to him, they go up and down, right? Sometimes they show a little bit of faithfulness, but a lot of the other times they're worshiping other gods and they're running away from the Lord and they're forgetting what he did for them and so on. Their faithfulness runs amok. Their commitment level It falls and then it rises a little, then it falls again. That lamentable pattern that I'm pretty sure we know all too well ourselves. We make commitments to God. God, I won't do that sin anymore. I won't do it again. And the next week, we're back at it. We promise to read the Bible every day. And before two weeks go by, it's reading every few days. And then... Once a week, and then we blow it, right? We promise to do good things for our God, and we don't do them. And we promise to cut out the bad things for our God, and we let those bad things right back in again. We have trouble being faithful. 
like our God is faithful. Commitment doesn't come easily for us. And why bother anyway? Look at our world. We almost celebrate the lack of commitment. I want to keep my options open, we say with a good deal of celebration. Young adults on down coined it as FOMO, right? Fear of missing out, FOMO. Can't commit because there might be something better coming my way. And look at the state of the institution of marriage today, for example, a big example. Marriage is that covenant you enter before our God, vowing to remain true to your husband or wife. I give you my word. I swear it. I vow it before God that this will be an exclusive partnership of love and commitment and fidelity. And in so many marriages, somewhere along the way, that commitment shatters. That bond breaks. And a whole lot of people might say, well, that's just the way it is. It's really not that bad of a thing, breaking your vow that way. Because, well, I never dreamed marriage was going to be this hard. The fact of difficult times that I didn't bargain for sort of negates the vow I made. I wasn't aware of all the fine print. I was naive at the time, didn't read the whole contract, so it's not such a bad thing that the marriage failed, that my commitment ceased after a while. Our society, you know this, has gotten really good at rationalizing our commitments and faithfulness away, rationalizing it away. And still our God is faithful to us, expects us to be faithful to him committed to us, expecting us to be committed to him. He was faithful. Think of it. Even to the point of sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for even our sins of breaking commitments. Commitments we make to God and to each other and to God's kingdom. He died for all those sins of broken commitments. He had to do that because we're just not that good at commitment keeping. That's one of the sins he died for, of all things. I want you to have a sense of the way God responds to our commitment breaking. He's grieved by it. From the very beginning of the word of God, we learn that. We learn that God grieves when we break commitments. When our God saw all the wickedness in the world in the time of Noah. Genesis chapter 6 verse 6 says, The Lord regretted, or an older version, was grieved that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled, filled with pain. Isn't that something? You read the book of Hosea prophet Hosea, where our God teaches Hosea, the prophet, and the people of Israel what it must be like to be our God. Our God, in a very strange command to Hosea, tells him to take for himself a wife who is a promiscuous woman, as the older versions say, a prostitute, but be faithful to her, 
tenderly clean up her life and have children with her, be a loving husband for her, and he does this. And one day, Hosea finds that Gomer, his wife, has gone back to her life of promiscuity, prostitution. And you'd think, you'd think our God would stop the story right there. See how it feels, Hosea? See how it feels, Israel? Gomer is acting out the same way you parade other gods in front of my face. But the story doesn't end there, does it? God says to Hosea, go find her. Go find Gomer. Take her home again and love her again. And can you imagine Hosea by this point? God, are you crazy? I just saw her in the arms of another man who paid for her love. And God says, take her back anyway. I know, believe me, I know, she broke your heart, didn't she? But take her back and love her. Can you imagine Hosea, what he must have been thinking? God, she, she, she's going to do it again. You think I don't know this? It breaks your heart, doesn't it, Hosea? Think of all the times Israel has done this to me. It has broken my heart. Now that doesn't all get said in that story, but the word picture is there loud and clear. This is what our God tells him to do, and it perfectly acts out what has happened to the Lord God with his unfaithful bride Israel. They've broken his heart, just like Gomer broke Hosea's heart and probably would break it repeatedly, God grieves over Israel's unfaithfulness like this. But now remember, hold the scripture up to yourself, to you, to me. This is you and me in our broken commitments that we make before our God and to our God. When we are unfaithful, when we break our commitments, God is grieved. He grieves over it as a husband grieves over an adulterous wife. It's that strong and even stronger. The book of Hosea helps us to think about our lack of faithfulness in a way that perhaps we rather unwillingly want to think about it, that our unfaithfulness breaks our God's heart. And doesn't that truth about our God transform our lives? Knowing that about our loving, faithful God surely rips through my heart, your heart, and makes us never want to go back on our word again, never break another commitment. I know I will, because I will forget about that image tomorrow, the next day, the next week. But for right now, I, I do know it is clear that my unfaithfulness before our God breaks our God's heart. That makes me understand a little more how important commitments made to our God and before our God are. Makes me understand that we need to work hard at our commitments, that we have no right to pretend that they are less important than they are. We have no right to go back on our word and assume it doesn't mean anything and assume it's no big deal. Breaking the heart of our God is a big deal deal. And of course now, at last, we get to our scripture passage. Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have it open, please turn there. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. 
page 1414. The parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, we used to say talents, right? To another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. With a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I hope you see that that passage is a commitment passage. A faithfulness passage. It's a story challenging us to imitate our God in his faithfulness, in his commitment keeping, with our own faithfulness and our own commitment keeping. 1 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2 teach that if you're given a trust, that is if you're entrusted with the mysteries of God, if our God in his grace has brought you into a relationship of love with him, has opened your eyes of faith to see his forgiveness and his eternal life and the newness of life in Christ that we have in him. If our God has entrusted those marvelous secret things to you, that kind of relationship with Jesus, his son, who paid for your sins, who paved the way for your eternal life, if our God entrusted that to you, it is required that you who have been given that trust must prove faithful. Again, what we've been saying all along, our God invests in you his faithfulness and his commitment and his promises. Our God is faithful to you and has blessed you with so, so much, has entrusted so much to you. Now it is required that you prove faithful with that trust. That's what the parable is about. 
Master goes on a journey, calls together his servants, entrusts them gold, five bags, two bags, one bag, and he goes away for a time. And the obvious thing to do is to prove trustworthy, obvious, faithful, committed to the man while he's gone, to prove faithful what, has in, what he has entrusted to them. Now, two of them double their money, but one buries it. Master returns, he sees his servants, the five gold bag man tells him, I doubled your bags of gold, here's five more. Well done, good and faithful servant, I'm going to give you more now to be in charge of. You've kept your commitment to me, you've proven faithful, enjoy my happiness with me. Remember we said a few moments ago that our God grieves when we break the commitments we make to him and before him. Well, here we also see that we can fill him with joy. With happiness, we can send joy cascading into our God's heart. And that blows us away too, doesn't it? Staying committed in a marriage brings joy to our God. Staying faithful in serving the church brings joy to our God. Being committed in a promise that you make to your kids brings joy joy to our God, being faithful in your business, caring for customers, being honest, doing the job to the best of your ability. This brings joy to our God, being faithful in your stewardship of time and treasure and talent, offering to our God the first fruits of how he has blessed you. This brings joy to our God. Same thing happens with the servant who doubles the two bags of gold. Listen to the words, you entrusted me with two, I gained two more. Entrusted, they were faithful. And the master again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Keeping commitments brings joy to our God. You know, we've already touched on the last servant by talking about Hosea. Right? The master comes to the last servant. There's no joy, is there? The master takes away from that servant what he had given to him, what the servant ignored or hid in the ground. And in the end, that servant is thrown outside in the darkness. This all tells us that commitment keeping is pretty important. Faithfulness on the part of a believer, pretty important. We've learned how our unfaithfulness grieves our God, but here we also get a sense that it angers our God too. And there are consequences for ignoring, forgetting about what has been entrusted to us. A relationship with Christ is a Precious, precious thing. And here we realize that it is not to be taken for granted. Not just because God's heart breaks, but also we are warned because our God does bring judgment when we prove unfaithful. And that is something too. We need to know about our God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your faithfulness to us. A faithfulness that 
put your son on the cross for us because you love us so and you're so faithful. And Father, you ask us to be faithful too in return, in thanksgiving. And we mess it up, surely. Father, when we do mess it up, help us to be on our knees asking for forgiveness. But more than that, Help us to be true to our commitments. Help us to be true in our faithfulness back to you. Remind us that that is truly an important thing in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. To be faithful as our God is faithful. Transform us with who you are tonight, our faithful God. Transform us more and more into faithful people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.